Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers. I'm your host, Kruponis Kosana Ritchie, and in this episode, we take a different direction. So, we recently ran a survey to ask what other content you'd like to hear, and some of you requested corporate success as a topic. So, if you want to lead the team that launches the next Fenty, or eventually start your own global brand or fashion line, then do stick around. My guest today, Kimberly Lee Miner, spent her 20-year-plus career climbing the corporate ladder, which includes uh, major achievements at some world-famous brands like Macy's, Foot Locker, and London Fog. But on her way up to the C-suite, she found that the hoops she was jumping through to just get a foot in the door were just totally unreasonable. And in our conversation, she reflects on this journey. Um, she stumbled upon this industry, honestly, well studying for her bachelor's in uh, Philadelphia. And at the time, she was nurturing a dream of becoming the next Oprah. But a campus recruiter pointed her towards a graduate program at Macy's, and it wasn't too long until she found herself sitting in rooms that she says she felt like she always had to justify her presence. So in order to make sure that uh, the road is smoother for other women of color seeking a career in retail, she co-founded and co-funded Women of Color Retail Alliance with other industry heavyweights. As always, there are many gems in the conversation and you will have a few takeaways for navigating work in this world that is obsessed with diversity, equity and inclusivity. So, without further ado, here's Kimberly. Describe your work uh, in terms of, you know, what you do practically and also the purpose or deeper meaning you attach to your work. Yeah. So, in my, in my you know, 20 plus years um, of being in this retail and branding um, industry, you know, I've, I've been in corporate roles as well as I've owned, um, clothing line and stores. And, um, what I, I learned from, um, you know, the, the, if you look at the, the business, it comes really comes down to three things, people, right. Process and, um, culture mm -hmm. and the, the people who get it, do it very well. And they've been able to sustain and the people who don't, you know, you don't see them anymore. And so throughout my career, I have looked for best practices so that I can apply them to me professionally, as well as to the next brand or whoever I'm working for. And so mm -hmm. what I have done in this space has really become a specialist in understanding, um, being a, customer advocate, being a brand right. advocate and understanding how they come together. So when you think about connecting the dots of process, people and culture, what I found is for the brands who don't get it, they forget that what's so most important in those three P's are the people. Yep. Because if you if your focus is not on the people, whether they're internal or external, mm. you're not creating an organization that is sustainable because it's those people that, that thread through throughout the brand right. that will lead you to the consumers mm -hmm. who will then become your customers. Mm. And so my focus has really been on making sure that we connect the people to the profit. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's how we create those processes and, and, you know, um, really take a brand from being good to being excellent. Right. And so, um, that's what my career has been about. Mm-hmm. And then my passion is along those same lines, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then that's why I founded women of color. Um, you know, it was women of color in retail very recently. You're right. We did legally changed the name to women of color retail alliance right um because we wanted okay. it to really be because what what we discovered mm. is that retail is a small world small word that has big meaning mm-hmm. and it touches in so, so many, many different, different ways yeah. and so we thought that just by saying in retail we kind of put a wall there right. whereas retail alliance it, it includes adjacencies. Why did you feel the need for an organization of this nature? Well, remember I said that the people get forgotten? Yeah. I started my career, luckily, I don't have, I didn't have an educational background in retail or design. It was just something I was, you know, design was something I was always interested in because I was always a creative person. went to art school and would make my clothing, my godmother um, uh, was a seamstress and taught me, you know, oh, but I didn't, mm. I didn't, that was just something I personally did. So just like did. Mm. I would design all my friends' wedding dresses oh. and, you know, special occasion things. And I thought that was my hobby, right? I was going, I was into radio, television and film, and then I was going to grad school and I wanted to be <laughs> like, I wanted to be the next Oprah. <laughs> yes. And I found, um, the, uh, the recruiter, who was a brother from Macy's, was mm-hmm. in the career office all of the time. And he just kept stopping me. And he's like, <laughs> there's something about you, you should know about this. And and all I knew at the time about retail was that, that you worked in a store. Right. And I was I, I can't go to college and grad school and work in a retail <laughs> store. Like, you, that's crazy. Right. And so he just kept talking to me about, no, you don't, you just don't know. You just don't know, like, the opportunity mm. to take the test. And long story longer, I finally, like, he broke me down. I finally took the test, the aptitude <laughs> test. And I scored, like, this crazy score. And he was like, you need to start meeting people. And, and, and so I got into the Macy's Executive Training Program. And uh, I was there. I, I, I progressed very quickly in mm. three years. I was there and then was recruited to Express. Um, and was recruited on the financial side of the business. So learned financial planning and, and, and really the foundation of the business and that, but let them know that my interest was larger. I wanted to run a brand eventually. I wanted to be a merchant. I wanted to know. all. Yeah. Yeah. And so I come in with two other women of color, two, two other black women. And one was a little older than mm-hmm. us and um another we were contemporaries and i'm i noticed huh i keep getting promoted to the point where one of the women the older woman worked for me right the other woman was very friendly super smart but she wasn't getting the same response that i was getting and i was like what's different like this is you know strange I was having a conversation with one of my bosses after my second promotion. And I was like, what is it that I'm doing that my peers aren't doing? Right. They said, well, 
you take on extra projects. If you're interested in something, you don't have a problem going to that person and saying, what do you do? She said, they, we hear about all that. Like, oh. We know. Okay. You really are interested in this business and, and you will do, you know, you're in finance side of the business, but you do trend presentations to the, mm. to the buyers. Like the, nobody's doing that. So I said, well, should, but there are other people being promoted. Are they doing that too? Mm-hmm. Right. And the, and I got the strange look. Right. Right. And I thought, Hmm. Okay. This is what my mom and dad were telling me that I needed to be three times as good or show five times as much effort to get the same response right. that other people were doing. Right. And I remember having a conversation with the other black woman who had come in with me, who was older. And she said, she said, I refuse to do that. I came here for a job. I should be getting promoted for the job I'm doing, not for doing all this extra stuff. And you keep doing right. this extra stuff. And you, yeah, you're just going to con- continue to get promoted, but you're also going to make it more difficult for us. Oh. And I said, Awakening. Wow. Yep. Okay. That's interesting. And that was 20 years ago. And so as I moved through my career, like when I was at Expresso, I had eight promotions there in six years. And then I had some family, you know, both my parents got extremely ill. I moved to New York. And as I couldn't do 10 times the work, right, as I then mm-hmm. got married, I had children, I had other responsibilities. I showed up and I gave 150% of my time. But and I and I got promoted, but it slowed down, right? Sure. And then I noticed that I was always the first, the only, and I was in this room where I always had to prove that I should be there every day because I wasn't doing 10 times the work. Mm-hmm. I might be doing, I still was doing at least three or four times the work, but I was like, this is what Lisa was talking about. Like, this is, this is the stuff that we yeah. need to change. Yeah. We need yeah. to change. And so um, about 12 years ago, I was at uh, Ann Taylor and I was a vice president. And what struck me was before I started, these young ladies who worked there, they were women of color. They had done some research because it had been announced that I was coming as a vice president. And they had right. done some research and found out that I was a woman of color. And they found my number at my prior job and they called me. <laughs> And they were like, We've, there's never been one of you here. Oh, wow. And we are so excited Yeah, to see somebody who looks like us in a leadership role. And they both have gone on to do wonderful things. And so while I was there, I said, I know there are other people who feel this way. Let's get together so that we can support each other because it's very lonely because mm-hmm. we're here by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those challenges of having to prove yourself every day or not being in the room. You know, how many times are there meetings with people because they went out after work for drinks sure. and you weren't invited? And you were not and, invited, and those yeah. Get, yeah. Right? Like, we need to know about that. We need to support each other. So we, I reached out to everyone I knew and six people showed up. And I was like, well, why are there so few people here? Everybody's here for market. <laughs> and they were like, well, because you said director, you said director and above. I said, what does oh, that mean? They're like, my goodness. We don't, we don't get, we don't get <laughs> that level. You're a VP. You don't need, like, you're, you're young. You have babies. Look at us. Most of us are like 10, 15, 20 years your senior and and we're directors. You're mm. like you don't re- you need to really take a moment and see what this landscape really looks like. And so over the years and I said okay, well, I'll go here. This has to be better. It just wasn't. Yeah. And so I my last corporate retail job was with Bath and Body Works. L Brands. Right. And I went there as a senior vice president 
of retail for home and added a half a billion dollars to that business in nine months. Wow. Got the additional responsibility of creating a strategic team to do merchandising strategy. Also had merch ops and still had merchandising. And I, I felt like, my God, I think I'm killing myself trying to keep up. Right. But, but my peers who don't look like me, aren't the, some of them aren't the same gender. They're certainly not the same race. They can do one job and kind of show up when they want to and get all these accolades. There, this is a person standing up repeating numbers but verbatim, like wrote, like she memorized the numbers and she's getting praised because she memorized the numbers. But I'm looking at the report and these numbers are not right, but she's getting praised because she's standing up and I'm doing three jobs and you have the audacity to say, oh, you don't remember the number on that skew? Why? If I have vice presidents and merchants and associate merchants and assistant merchants who report to me, mm. who are dealing in mm. that few information every day. Why are you judging me on the fact that I didn't memorize the right. cost of, yeah. right? So I, it was like, oh, this is not for me anymore. Like I just can't, right. I can't do it. And now I see what everybody was talking about. And it yep. took me a little longer, but I saw it. Like it all came together and I left there it took some time for myself. I went back to, went to Wharton, went back, you know, to refresh the executive, sure. you know, um, MBA program. Then I went to Stanford, uh, took their program, their certificate program for organizational excellence, leveraging inclusivity and equity. <laughs> and um, because I didn't want to just jump out there like, I'm a black woman. I know right, this. Right, right. Because I didn't know it, but I wanted to know. <laughs> paper, yeah. Things. Yeah, and I wanted to know if there was something I was missing. Right. And um, so interestingly, Pink, you know, part of L Brands became a vendor, I mean, a, a client very quickly. And mm -hmm. then um, someone in financial became very quickly because they understood that I was a consumer. I understood how the people, culture, and profit work together. Right. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that they were missing incredible opportunities because most of us women of color stopped at manager if right. we got that far. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so I said, okay, so I tried to do this some years ago and I got six people. We have different platforms. It's a different time. I'm going to try it again uh -huh. because we need to know each other. We need to advocate. Right. And it's not, you know, bias for us. Like that doesn't work. Just us talking to each other saying, hey, how bad is your situation? I want this to be bigger. So I want retailers to be our partners, but you have to be serious about it. And you don't have to be a, a black woman to be a part of this. This is about women of color mm -hmm. and power and privilege. And how can we make sure that the power and privilege that we we bring to the table as allies really help us make a difference because it has to start now. And so I posted on LinkedIn and I said, hopefully this time I get more than six. And I got, I think, 25,000, like either shares or response. Sorry, how many? Yes. <laughs> 25,000. Whoa. 25,000. That's a with lot. different people. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and all those people were That's women of color. Yeah. yeah. Right. But they knew. Someone, Someone who had a story, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. understood, who needed that support. And so that's really how it started. And then I was talking yeah. to women who I know, and I said, do you want to be a part of this? Because I'm going to do it, but I, I can't do it by myself. And that's how I got my board. Yeah. Um, Powerful and, board. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Harvest, like, you know, Karen Cho, like we were, we're do, and I'm, I'm talking to Felita Harris to see mm. if she'll come on the board. And we've been, it's been really amazing. Sure. It yeah. just, it's it, like, I get a little full when I think about, you know, <laughs> we just finished um, Straight No Chaser, which was a five part career development series. Oh, wow. For, yeah. 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 Yeah, and uh, we just finished that, and people are like, "Wow, this stuff I never even thought about that would help me." Yes, yeah, yeah. we do lunch and learns, um, you know, once a month, and now we have a uh, we have a board retreat coming up because we want to expand into CEO circle. Tell the tell us CEOs why does your why does your team look the way it does? Why does your process for development of your leadership stop here? Why you know? Right. Let's have some honest mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. And, and then we are going to give you some tools. We're sure. going to give you tools yeah. and we're going to give your employees tools because those women are talented, but you cut them off. And you don't see them beyond here. We're going to give them the tools so you can see them so they can become a part of the full process of right. your business. Right. Help you grow because that's how we grow profitably. Yeah. But the people are very important, yeah. and so that's why I started it. And that's what you know we'll be doing advocacy. We have training programs. We're partnering with brand specialists, and then we're also partnering with very large retailers because they're serious about it. Yeah. So yeah, tell me about the selection process of your members. Well, we've been very open, right? Because we've just wanted to see who needs us, right? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. And so over the past year and a half, you know, we have probably our, our mailing list is 1200 mm-hmm. and on average, you know, our events, when we have the lunch and learns, it's generally about 50 to 75 people who attend, um, monthly. Mm-hmm. And then when we had our live, we had almost 200 people there. And so it's, it's, but people who respond to the surveys and want to be a part of it and send us emails, we probably on a consistent basis, we've, we've had probably 1500. And Mm -hmm. when we've taken the um, demographic information, you know, those who've filled out the survey, those 1500 people who have filled out the surveys, the average, um, the person, the average tenure is 15 years and the highest percentage of, so I think it was, 65% 65% of women who have participated in our events, whatever they are, 65% of them have been in their job for 15 years or more. Right. 20, 22% are at the manager's level. Mm-hmm. Only 22%. Only 22%. After 15 years, right. 15% okay. are at the director level. 15. Mm, wow. 10% were at VP and 3% were above that. So based on those demographics, it tells you very clearly what's happening. Yeah. And why we, we need, why, we why, why it's yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So if I join the organization today, um, you know, how can I participate? Like what will I get as a benefit of being so a, right now it's free. And what you would get is there's a network. So, so we have, we have women who will post, we have a LinkedIn group and people will post and they'll say, Hey, I have this opportunity or I've heard of an opportunity Mm -hmm. and 
I'm a, I'm a, I, you know, I'm at the manager level, but this is a senior director opportunity. I feel like I have the experience. I just don't know how to present myself. So they see that I have. Sure. And mm-hmm. so we have women obviously in the group who have um, incredible careers. There are a small group of us, but we, so we will reach out to that person and do one-on-ones with them to help them develop the, um, you know, we say, okay. And, and Adrian Shelton is like such an amazing woman. Cause she does it all the time. Mm-hmm. I did it. I did it recently. Um, I asked the young lady to send me her resume. I looked over her resume. I gave her points. I asked her questions, you know, and said, here's, here's explain to me why this was your journey. And now I'm going to help you so you can explain it to someone else mm-hmm. in a positive way and show your benefits. And so we do, we do that. That's just what we do to support yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, if there are opportunities within anyone's company, um, you know, it's not a, it, it is not open to retailers. I mean, I'm sorry, to recruiters. I have right. so many recruiters who reach out to me to become members of, and I do not do that because for several reasons. A, if I want the partnership of these retailers so that they can grow the teams they have to, to so those people don't have to jump around, they can have a career and, and grow professionally. I can't, I can't sit across from you and say, Oh, and we have, re- we have recruiters too, who are coming after you. Right. Like that just doesn't work. That yeah. way. Um, so I don't do that. And I think recruiters need to work harder. Like you don't just get to join our group and say, Oh, I found a whole bunch of. Right. Of color. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, that's a problem. Um, but anyone else, you know, if you are a woman of color in any aspect related to this retail and adjacency, Join the LinkedIn group, because in addition to that mentorship that we offer, there are people at certain businesses that they didn't even know that they might have someone who's in this organization who's Mm. working in their company. They just haven't (laughs) had the exposure. So that gives you the exposure there. Um, The other thing that we'll be offering is we're going to continue to have these um, career development workshops, you know, personal branding workshops, the advocacy we have um, NRF wants to partner with us, which will bring incredible resources to the women in the group. And um, what we're hoping, you know, what we've offered thus far, we've, we've kind of, the board members have written checks so that we could offer it for free. But um, that's why we're looking for the partnerships and sponsorship. Right. Um, um, you know, so that sure, sure. we continue to offer this free to the mm, participants mm. Um, and, you know, offer scholarships and mm-hmm. have the retailers say, okay, here are our five, you know, making this number up, but here are our five uh, women who have asked to be a part of this program. And we feel like they have um, potential to grow with our organization, we will pay for them to go through the process um, mm. uh, and, and to experience. One of the other things that we're working on for next year is to do a big summit. Um, until then, we're okay, going right. to do smaller gatherings regionally so that we can continue to bring people together so they know that they're support and that there's someone there for them. And so that's yeah. what you that's what you get from us. Right. 
This is Shades and Layers, and my guest today is Kimberly Lee Miner, the co-founder of Women of Color Retail Alliance, an organization which is focused on supporting and facilitating success for women and organizations that are committed to equity and diversity. And that's what we're talking about next. I'm sure you've seen many brands become something resembling United Colors of Benetton, whether they are selling makeup or a magazine or advertising job. I wanted to get into the specifics of that with Kimberly and hear her take on what it means to have meaningful change in the retail space. And also, what does accountability and commitment to DEI look like? So for you as uh, the leader of this organization, when you look, say, I don't know what milestones you've set for yourselves, but, you know, say in three years time and, you know, you've been running this organization, which um, what will look like, what will success look like um, at that point? So success for me will look like, um, you know, management will be 50%. Uh, Directors will be 25%. VPs will be at 20%. And above that, we will be at 15 and grow from there. So you're looking at career progression as one. Absolutely. That's my number one. That's my number one. Mm -hmm. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And what we also see, and I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to measure this because, you know, I, I come from the school of it, if it isn't measurable, then doesn't get done. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but so I'm working on how to measure this, but, but what I've also found is like, you know, in my role, so I'm the president of a company, I have mm-hmm. open positions that I have put out there to my organization, because I want to fill it with women of color, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I get very few responses. And I've heard that from some other, because like Christiane, you know, she's the co-president of, of yeah. Fendi. Yeah. She posts positions. And, and I, I, I reached out, you know, and I said, why? Why don't I see more resumes coming? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're in situations where you, and they said, well, We've been down this road so many times where people say they're, or they, they put us in the process, but we never get to the finish line. And so right. I want to change right. that. Like, I want the confidence. I want to build the confidence that you can get to the finish line. You don't have to have magic fairy dust to get right. to the finish line because we're going to create this, this pathway to the finish line so that you feel more comfortable. Right. Do you feel that there is a desire for change in uh, retail and its related industries? I, I'm not going to say um, with a broad brush. I'm not going to paint the mm-hmm. industry with a broad bu- brush mm-hmm. that everyone wants to change. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that there also are some authentic players who mm-hmm. are interested in making a difference. Because I think if they're not, they're being very short-sighted. Because mm-hmm. when you look at what the workforce is going to look like by 2030. I mean, 2030 is just seven years from now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, the, the whole idea of just from a generational gender, you know, ethnicity, all of those things are changing, Mm -hmm. but it's, you can't just keep your company the same and say, okay, well it's changing, but I'm still going to do things the way, 
I do them and expect to be sustained because people care. You know, when we were coming up, Gen X, we were told, doesn't matter what you care about, you better leave it in the parking lot. Right. Right. I, I am Gen X in age, but I think I'm more millennial or even Gen Z in my Mm -hmm, thinking mm -hmm, because I realized that life has like things change. Yeah. And I also have been a person where I didn't, I I never really thought I'm going to stay here and I don't care how you treat me because I'm going to retire from this company. And that's Mm -hmm. also millennial Gen Z. It's like, look, you don't treat me properly. I will take my talent and I'll go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and that is costly. And I think companies, retailers, whatever industry need to figure that out quickly and understand that talent comes in every shape or form and you need to be ready. Your organization needs to be ready and open-minded enough so that your processes, your practices and your culture is not about, do they fit into my culture? The culture should reflect the diversity of, Mm. of, of society. And, and that's where they need to get because that's who the consumer is. And, and the consumer, the question with the consumer is, when are you going to buy whatever that item is that you're going to buy? Because you're going to buy something because you're a consumer. You yes. consume. Yeah. The question for the companies needs to be, well, what? Because what? when, is, uh, we don't know when, but we need to know what. So if I don't know who you are as a larger group, then I can't be ready for that moment when you want to shop. But mm-hmm. I, if, if I'm really in this game and I want to be sustainable, then my what is based on who, because whoever you are, there's going to be a win. And your team needs to reflect that because how do you know them if your customer and consumer advocates don't reflect who they are? Who they That's are. the mm-hmm. easiest way, right? And, yeah. and we make it difficult. Why? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> silly to me. And I, and I, I, you know, I kind of break it down in simple terms, but the reality is that it, it surely is not as difficult as I think it, it has been made because of, mm. you know, biases, old thinking, um, just, yeah. I, I mean, you know, one thing that I find very, I don't, not necessarily disturbing, but interesting is that there are so many positions for diversity, equity, and uh, inclusiveness. And, you know, I'm just thinking, but aren't you just dealing with humans? I don't know. What what are your reflections on that? So I'm not, it's not, it's not a popular, <laughs> it's, it's not popular with my friends who are in DEI. So I'm just putting it out there. I mean, no harm. However, here's how I feel about that. After May 25th, 2020, right? Oh, yeah. What did you see yeah. all yeah. over LinkedIn? Oh, this person's been made director. This person is chief. And it was all DEI, DEI, DEI. I have friends who have been in business, like driving business units, that, but because they were the black person at the company, they got this title, chief DEI. Mm. No training. No resources, but the company could say, check, look, look, look. Yeah. We care about it. We may we are we are paying somebody a very nice 
salary to be the chief DEI officer and they get to go to conferences and they need to, then they get to speak on behalf of my company, telling them that we are committed to DEI, but they're not in any business meetings. They're not working with the business leaders. They're working in HR. Well, HR is only a part of the process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you're serious about DEI, then it not only comes from the top, but at every level, you make sure that your management understands that this is this is a mandate. Mm-hmm, this is a mandate. Mm-hmm. And from a DEI perspective, we have to have measurable KPIs so that when if you have a team that is 98 percent white men and make this is talk about, you know. And you have an opening in that organization, in that group. Do you need to interview any more white men? Yep. Well, right. But if it's just from HR, mm-hmm. right, they're going to do HR is going to, let's just say HR has, they, they get it. And their recruiters are like, we don't need any more white men. We're going to bring you. A, a pool of candidates, talented people who are all women of different, different races, mm-hmm. but all women mm-hmm. because you're yeah. all men yeah. and you're all white men. If, if the mandate of this is going to be an organization that is, that it's, that's excellence is based on inclusion, equity, and diversity across every business function and every leader in this company, not just the DEI officer, every leader in this company is trained on how to interview different people. Because if you've been at the company for a long time and you only have white men, there's only one way you know how to talk to a person. And and it's only one culture that you think they should fit into. Mm. Right. That chief DEI person, if that's all they have, they can't influence that. No. It has to be mm-hmm. a business mandate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's how I feel about it. Because mm-hmm. one person in HR cannot make the change that needs to happen across the company mm-hmm. to ensure that people get it and that they they are interviewing appropriately for the talent, for the experience, and not for anything else, because that's what you bring to work. You bring your talent, you bring your experience so that you can make a difference for the business. Anything else should not be an, an issue, right? Sure. But if sure. it, but if you're not making sure that's happening at every level, that's the problem. Yeah. And, and in my experience, what I have found is even at the top, if the if the CEO says we are committed to making this difference, if they are not reinforcing it with their middle management, it stops there. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's where the problem is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's clear that there's still a lot of work to be done before we can see truly representative workplaces. And my guest, Kimberly Lee Miner, is focused on ensuring meaningful change in the retail industry. 
Up next, we get into her personal story and what it is that made her who she is today. She also tells us how she would sum up her life in a book. So let's uh, talk about you personally. <laughs> and we'll start back, 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 back in the day with your top three memories from childhood. Oh. Wow. <laughs> I think one of the first memories, like, you know, my mom and dad worked and I spent every day with my grandmother. Um, and I, I started preschool, you know, when I was three, got, they drove me to a private preschool. Like my mom, uh, you know, my grandfather was a sharecropper mm -hmm. and my grandmother came from a family of edu educated uh, people in the South. Uh, my, my aunt, my grandmother's oldest sister got her master's in 1920. Oh, wow. And so the dichotomy of having, of, you know, my grandfather was so smart, but just didn't have the opportunity to yeah. go to school. Like they just didn't allow that he had to work. And so their children were very intelligent, but my mom was all about school and her brothers, they're really smart, but it, you mm -hmm. know, it's a mixed bag. And so, um, because I think it was, my mom was the only girl I was with my grandmother every day and I remember, and this is, this is really forged who I am. I remember I learned how to read like at two or three because I would sit with my grandmother and we would read the paper every day, the mm. newspaper and discuss it. <laughs> right. And she would also read me the letters that we that she would receive from her family who was still in the South. Right. And I learned a very different perspective of what it meant to be mm. black. Mm. And, and um, I mean, it probably messed me up a little bit because like, uh, I don't think I still haven't seen uh, the auto that was the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman because <laughs> I couldn't get through that right because I I I would we would read these stories that were real like they yeah, would tell us about yeah. the night ride they were real so seeing it on TV was like that was hard right. for me because mm -hmm. you know um, and so the idea of inequity in knowing that. These were people who were educated in the 20s and the 30s and what they had to work for and that they still were treated like that, right? Like, so that's a memory that stays with me because it's, it's, it's here. Like, it's who I am. It's just, you know. Um, and so that's one. Uh, a fun one was, um, so I danced. Oh. Uh, I started dancing when I was three. Thought I was going to be, you know, like, I don't know. I just love dance. Love, love, love dance. And I remember um, one of my performances, because when I became a teenager, I joined a dance mm -hmm. company. And so they, we didn't do recitals anymore. We actually performed. Right. And I remember, um, I was like, is that my dad? And like, I'm dancing and, and my dad is standing up and he's so proud. Like he's just standing there and like, He's telling everybody, that's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it was like that, that memory and that idea that, 
I was raised by two people who didn't because of, you know, well, my father, my grandfather, my, my father's from West Virginia and he was the oldest and my mom was the oldest. And, and so they had a lot of family responsibility and they couldn't have the opportunities that I was giving and was given. And, um, they made sure that I knew I was loved and that it, it had nothing to do with what I was given or, you know, anything like there was no connection mm. to love other than love right. and that um that's what that's what it was about like love is pure and it's not connected to anything yeah. it, it is it is just love and as parents we are going to give you tools so you are a full-fledged adult you know how to make choices we might not like all your choices but you are going to be an accountable informed and and have the best life you can because we're going to give you these tools but just know that these tools are exactly that it's tools and this love is exactly that is love and and those lessons like those three things like i it, it informs who yeah. i am every day yeah every day so those would be three so if you wrote your memoir today what would it be called and why <laughs> um <laughs> okay it would be called you know better why the hell did you do that oh <laughs> <laughs> because even though i had the tools i had the love and i had the knowledge um There's just things that I was like, huh, I don't think I'll try that. And once you try, you're like, why would you do that? That was dumb. Um, but the lessons that we've learned, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, or if, or another would be, you know, my orchard of learning mm, and how yeah. I'm, you know, um, my mom used to say to me all the time, you know, Kimberly, most people have learning trees. Like there's a learning tree. Mm. And you have a whole damn orchard, but that's good. Your life's going to be full because you, you will have a lot of knowledge. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's what I'm yeah. probably. <laughs> so if I'm uh, graduating university or high school and I want to get into corporate, what would be the first advice that you give me as a black woman? Um. Focus on your personal agency. And here's what I mean. As a black woman, when you walk into corporate, there are going to be expectations that you acclimate, that you, you, you fit in. That it, it hasn't changed yet. What, but what that doesn't mean is that you have to become someone else. And so I talk to young people about this all the time and say, If you want to fit into someone's group, you have to do it as you. Because the minute you walk in and you change who you are, you lose track of where you want to be because you don't know who you are anymore. So take the time as a young person, whether you're while you're in high school, while you're in college, take time with yourself. Spend less time worrying about what other people want you to be. Spend less time 
on Instagram trying to be something that you're not. Mm -hmm. Spend more time. Whether you like to, if you like to read, read things that are interesting to you so that it's building up your level of knowledge about things that you're interested in. If you want to do yoga because that centers you, do that. Do whatever it takes to focus on yourself, to build that agency so that when you walk into any environment, you walk in as yourself. And I, and I say that, and I, I, I mean that because they know it. When I was offered the job at Express, I thought I was going to be offered a job in merchandising. And they offered me a job as a financial analyst in the planning and allocation department. Mm. And I said, oh, well, I really want to work here, but I really don't want to do that job. <laughs> like I said, um, and they were like, what? <laughs> and I, I said, well, here's the thing. I do want to work for Express because Express to me at that time was like the future. It was a specialty store. I had come from the department store. I said, but I'm not, I don't want a career in this part of the business. You know, I'm really interested in merchandising and these other things, you know, and, and explaining that to them. And I said, and I know myself. And if I'm going to be, if I'm going to have to be in this path for my career growth, because that's where the opportunity is then I'm not going to be here very long mm. because I'll take the job and I'm going to be looking for what I want to do. And so I'm, that's the agency that I walked in there with, right? right? They, I knew myself well enough. And, and the ant, they said, well, go out with the realtor. And when you come back, we will have an answer for you. And when I came back, they said, here's, here's our answer. And you can decide if you want to take it or not. We have never done this before. There are t two paths. Either you come in as an assistant buyer and you go through merchandising, or you come in as a financial analyst and you stay in planning and allocation. She said, they said, because we lose people all the time. Because no one's ever said to us, I know myself well enough to tell you that this is what my interest is. And so if you take this job and you show up the way we think you will because you know who you are and what you'll bring to the table, there's no opportunity that would not be available to you. And we will put that in writing if we have to. And I took that job and I, and, and they stayed true to their word. And as a matter of fact, Michael Weiss came to me and he said, I just wanted to meet the woman who knew herself so well at 25 <laughs> that she told us no. Yeah. And she's here. And, and so that's what I tell them because when I'm talking to young women, they feel like, Oh, well, if I'm going to corporate America, I have to change who I am. Mm. And, and they, mm. and they think about the outwardly things, you know, look, we have the crown act. You can wear your hair any way you want to. My, my hair that's still is fascinating natural. to me. That's crazy. Yeah. And I've never had that, you know, no one ever said anything to me. My hair is curly or if I blow dry it, it's straight. Mm -hmm. I, I wear my hair anyway. I've always worn my hair. Some days it's curly, some days it's not. Nobody's ever said anything to me. But I hear, you know, oh, well, then I'm going to have to change the way I dress. I'm going to have to change the way. No, what you need to do is decide who are you? What is your agency? Who do you want to show up as? Like if you're, if you want to go into corporate America and wear, you know, kente cloth wraps every day, is that because you want to be in corporate America and you want to represent your culture or are you just trying to be provocative? Mm -hmm. Like who are you really? Yeah. And how do you show up like that every day? 
And if that doesn't fit in that environment, then have the agency to say, this isn't for me, but I'm going to find what's right for me. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's not written in a book. It's not something anyone teaches you, but to me, it is the fundamental for being successful in corporate America. Right. I love this. There's so much still to talk about, but that means we need to have another conversation. <laughs> I'm open for it. I love that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, because uh, I speak to a lot of young entrepreneurs, but you know, there's there's some training you need before you go down that path, or you have to be so passionate and so clear in what you want to do to go down that path first without going through the corporate. So... Yeah, there's a lot you learn in corporate. You really do, but you have to be open yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I, you know, I hate to be a gen, gen generationalist, <laughs> but uh, I'd love to have another conversation with you and talk mm -hmm. about that because I think there's a lot to. Unpack. I, I think so too. I definitely think uh, and, so too. And I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't think um, generally our generation has done the our our children's generation of, of great service because we wanted to be so fair and everybody got a trophy and um, that's no. not real. No, that's it's not, not. That's not real. No, it's not. And, and I'll tell you, I'll end with this. My son is at Morehouse and he's doing extremely well. He is at a UCLA program um, on scholarship with the Anderson school of management right mm. now. And, um, he, he called me and he said, mom, I, I just want to thank you. And I said, well, what are you thanking me for? And he said, I want to thank you for always keeping it real. He said, when I was growing up and my, was, my friends' moms were, they're different. <laughs> and I thought, man, mom is kind of tough. <laughs> he said, but you weren't tough. You were just real so that I understood. He said, and I realize now, like I've never had to question your love. It's never been connected to anything. And the reality that you gave me and, and the sternness when you were like, uh, don't get it twisted. You don't look mm -hmm. like him. So your experience will same. not be mm -hmm. like him. Mm -hmm. Right? He said, I didn't know what you meant, but I know what you mean now. And I appreciate you. And, and that's the thing. I think our generation wanted to be friends. Like we were afraid to tell them mm -hmm. the truth. And I think it's done a disservice, yeah. but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. So sure. Yeah. We yeah. can do that. Yeah. It's all good. So where can people find you and connect with you online? Uh, so LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, Kimberly mm -hmm. Lee Minor. Um, and I, or they can get me on Instagram, Kimberly.l.minor. Perfect. Kimberly, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Sounds wonderful. Thank you thank so, you so much. much. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And that is all from me this time around. Thanks for listening and for your ongoing support. I would like to hear what you thought of this episode and the guest. Please do send your feedback to hello at shadesandlayers.com. Also, give us a thumbs up by sharing this episode with friends and others who might benefit from the information in their episode and also in the show notes. I'm Gudluanas Kosana Ritchie. Until next time around, please do take good care. <laughs>